what's up, what's up, what's up? about Block Enterprise and I'm, I'm so glad you're here to speak with us because when I came up, actually when God gave me the vision for Block Enterprise, when I was really passionate about gentrification, I was just like crying, like what can I do? You know, um, I was listening to Victory Lab and I was listening to it every single day and literally when I came up with the concept and everything, Victory Lab was planning. And so it's an honor for me to be here with you because you really inspired me. And I think what we do in real estate and finance and consulting people, um, here and everywhere else, you do the same thing in your music in any way. So I'm really excited to just um, to connect with you and to talk about real estate and finance. Uh, I want to start by asking you about your first real estate transaction. How did that go for you? Um, it was it was a house that my brother bought probably like 2001, 2002, when they were doing like um, standard income. You know, you have to show no tax return, you just have you know, money into the house. Right. It was probably like 07, 06, 07. And um, he bought a house and we turned it one room into a studio. And so that was my first experience with real estate. I was a little younger. I was like 17, 18. But maybe a little older, maybe like 19. But um, you know, I saw somebody I grew up with on a piece of property. And I saw what it took. You know, I just kind of went through the process in his past. You know what I mean? I saw him secure the spot. So. I knew it was real, I knew that it was attainable, I knew that it ain't cost, it wasn't as expensive as it looked. You see a house price that made a million dollars, eight hundred thousand, two million. You don't have to ask me to you know, the house. You know, and I saw that. Um, but the actual first real estate that I was the owner of, it's a, it's a duplex on the east side of LA. Okay. And, um, and my brother would have to that. And then we ended up buying my, my great grandma a house that we grew up in, and also my grandma. And my mom grew up That's a little bit from the down. It was just a triplex. Um, a couple condos and stuff, but the first one was a duplex. Uh, on our call, I do that. Creates a life, you know, it's just my ass speed, positivity, and speed. 
you know, um, what they want to see in your back in your life. You can even listen to other rappers and certain people that they was actually saying what they wanted their life to be. It wasn't that, it wasn't that at that time. But then throughout the years, a lot of the things that happened, you know what I mean? So I know with Winter Investments, you spent some time in Amsterdam, right? Yeah. With a startup tech company. Right. And you were even involved in cryptocurrency, which is a hot topic right now, especially in 2018. Mm -hmm. And in your experience, with it being such a, a volatile market, you know, and it's unregulated, how have you had any success in crypto? Would you since you've been involved, and would you recommend somebody that's looking to invest into crypto to actually take it seriously as you think it's worth volatility? Yeah, I think that if you want to invest, you should get in now. Because it's, it's love, you know what I mean? But you got to do research. I felt like cryptocurrency solved a big problem. You know, what's going on with the banks. And just the entire fiat currency concept. You know what I mean? Um, and just the regulated by a private bank concept. I think cryptocurrency was the solution for that. And, you know, I got my opinion on why it's crashing and what's going on with it, but, you know, we're going to see what happens. You know, mindful. And that comes from people that's not from the community, they don't have no connection to the community, they don't care about it. You got somebody that's from over here, you know, you're not going to just turn into a fake nigga, excuse me for just being blunt. If you was genuinely real from jump, you're going to stay like that. You're going to make decisions based on what you believe in. As a, as a landlord, you know, the property owner is just somebody in the area. So I feel like it's going to take local entrepreneurship. People got to buy their own areas, pull their money together, get their team, purchase their buildings, purchase their, you know, strip malls, purchase their corner stores, barbershops. That create jobs also to get local people from the area jobs. Um, and then if you end up with some land, Make some of it for Create, create, you know, percentage of your units that, regardless of what happened with the rent, and don't even, I'm not saying hike the rent, the rent stay the same, still make some of your units affordable. But, you know, I think, when I think about gentrification, I think about, like, third, third party development just coming in, buying it up with no regard, and then hiking the prices, and then, you know, never step a foot, never hire locally, from the construction to actually personnel, just keeping everything strictly business. And obviously that's not what we did, that's foul ball. That's one of my biggest concerns when it comes to black enterprise, you know, making sure that people revitalize their homes themselves. So I know you do a lot with commercial, I was reading the Forbes article, and so I want to know how active you are in the residential space, and if you're doing anything like you mentioned, to ensure that the community, you know, like sustains its legacy, I would say, would you really say, you know, so that the people still feel at home, even though, you know, properties, identity, and the way properties look at you. Um, I mean, you know, I'm one person, so I don't own the whole area. I own the building, you know what I mean? A couple, couple units, but just me, who I am, what I believe in, um, I practice that in demonstration. You know, you can come to the store and see the work You know, her grannies is still living in the area. You know, when people grew up here, you can come, you know, who, who's a part of the level, who, who, who's a part of the team. You know, that's just being who, who, who I am. Um, as far as like, 
I'm kind of unclear on fully because what you're saying is on the real estate residential side. What are we doing to ensure that the area still feel like the area? Um, I mean, you smell Louisiana chicken when you pull up. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know if that has nothing to do with, with the real estate, but you, you know what I mean? You smell Woody's, you know what I mean? And you see the Marathon store, you know the store. And you know. I actually went to LA for the first time like two weeks ago and I ran into the store, and I'm not sure if it was your uncle or who it was, but they looked just like you, and I was like, oh, Probably it's, dead, yeah. it's, it's cool that you, you know, incorporate your family into your business. That's something that I think everybody should aspire to. That's how you really deal with that generational wealth, giving those kids an understanding or adults an understanding of how the business goes and putting them in a position. And that's what I'm going to say too, like when you think about real estate, real estate is something that, you know, this is, this is like a 30, 40, 50 year asset. So when you're buying real estate, you know, you set your kids up and you set your generations up after So when you talk about, you know, gentrification, what you really doing when you buy a property in your area is you make sure that 50 years from now, it's a black owner on real estate, 40 years from now, your, your kid, your grandkids, you know, going to own this piece of property. And they're going to be able to do what they want with it, whether it's develop it, bring it out, and they're going to be products of your ideology, your children. You know what I mean? So I feel like, you know, I was, I, I can't find anything wrong with people from the community buying purchasing. Gentrification is an issue, but I don't think the two are at the opposite end of the spectrum. I think that, you know, you're supposed to buy your area up if you can. You know, another another whole other sport is making sure that your area doesn't, you know, get gentrified, whitewashed, whatever it works, you know what I mean? And so, but I think there's two different sports. I think they're both very important, but I don't think that, you know, one necessarily is, is as connected to the other as, as we think, because buying real estate in the community you grew up in, it's a great move. End of story. That's the end of it. And then preventing gentrification is very important also. You know, and I think the way you do that is you gotta be more powerful. That's it, we can protest, we can do everything. You know, that's gonna be where it stop at. When we start protesting with our checks. When we come together and we purchase some things up, we got the power that we want with it. You know, we the construction company that we have, if we want to develop, that's a big check they want to do. That's part of the financing is to deconstruct and reconstruct. Who gets to dictate who's the construction tenant? The, the owners of the building, the owners of the development. So that's why empowering yourself to that point, you can make the choice. Then it's only it's only in your heart. It's all type of little choices that they're going to make along the way that nobody will be able to tell. But if it's in your heart to make an impact, you got some power that you can spread across. You know, a construction company, the employee wants to build, you know, the property manager, the policy of your building, you know what I mean? The type of retail that you even put under your building. You know, it's a food desert in my area. So we're going to make sure it's a juice, it's a, it's a, you know what I mean? You can eat healthy in the area. You know, um, is that gentrification? Because if the juice bar, you know, might bring other people to come drink some juice too. But you can't, the glass can be half empty or half full, it's like look at it. You know what I mean? But that's that's an example of an owner, real estate owner, trying to be conscious and make 
nothing that I can probably put. You know what I mean? But I do agree with gentrification is a big issue. We see in a lot of cities that change completely. Um, I think it's bigger than us getting mad at it. We gotta be strategic, we gotta pull resources and, and use the power we do have to work against it. Nothing else like entrepreneurship just investing in your community, buying, you know, for lack of a term, buy back the block for it. Yeah. Switching gears a little bit more to the financial side, because that's, that's my big. And um, I do a lot of contracting plan, I work with a lot of young adults, millennials, and something I like about your brand um, is not thinking short term. You, know, you just talked about now, you know, when you invest in real estate, this is, these are 50 year type projects. And it's all about, you know, the merit value, not the spirit, right? What are some ways, when I talk to a lot of my clients, especially my younger clients, we talk about life insurance and that being a big part of your financial plan. Tax benefits can't just leave your generation alone. You know, those that kind of need that helps bridge the racial, the, the racial look. What are some experiences that you've had with life insurance? And what are some things that you could encourage some of our people here in the audience that might have not taken a look at life insurance seriously now, but they think like, I want what's now. I want to put the money into things that I can see now. I can't really think long term. What is the advice you have for them when it comes to life insurance and the importance of that in your financial life? Yeah, I learned about that um, late, but that's, that's um, I don't know the percent, but it's one of the highest percentages of how wealth is handled down. It's through the life insurance policy. It's not the uh, it's not it's not the lot of insurance, it's not the lot of it, but it's also not the uh, Inheritance. It's not the money you got handed down from your parents. It's not the you know real estate portfolio, the stocks, the art. It's the life insurance policy. So when I found that out, I'm like, wow, you know. And you know, somebody that you know kind of mentored me, educated me, just on like financial understanding. You know, it's like man, you can you spend ten thousand a year on a ten million dollar policy. You know what I mean? And it's a little more than a dollar a month, a little less than a thousand a month, but. It's like, think how much we spend 10 bands on, how many different things. That's not a little throwaway amount of money, especially for young people in college and just, you know, coming up in the world. But when you get to your levels and you figure out what to do with your bread, 10000 you can go to a store and blow that. You know, you can go on a trip and blow that. If you can budget that into your lifestyle, you create a $10 million life insurance policy that you can put in the trucks, you know what I mean? You know, gives your kid, God forbid, some happy family, girl, or wife, whatever. You know, that's a big game changer. And one thing y'all are going to do so it makes sense. I appreciate that plug, too, because we're on the energy, so that helped my business when it comes to life insurance. You said you do what? I appreciate that plug in now, because with you being an influencer, you know, a lot of people, they hear you talk to them, but until they hear somebody that is, is known and that they respect on a different type of level, Hear somebody like you and your status be able to really give the importance yeah. of life insurance. I'm really bring that down. I know that's going to change people's minds. If there's somebody down that I can impact or somebody else in my profession that can impact, because now I'm going to hurt you. Oh, you, oh, you sell life insurance. Yeah, I'm going to put that in. You know where I'm going with that. Yeah. I, I don't. You know what I'm saying? Your foundation, and they don't know that's a big part. Like you said, that's one of the highest ways to bring back generational wealth. It's either through, you know, 
government you pass, or you stay alive and leave on the internet as you know, a tax-free source, you know, to pull from for your real estate investigator. So separating from that, say, I, I know a lot of people, we're, we're talking about real estate, and you are getting a lot of around you right now in real estate. How are your real estate assets providing outlets for you to add other assets to your portfolio? Um, I mean, after a while, when you got income producing property, the bank see it as income and not debt. So, you know, if you were to buy single homes, you know, to live in, they could be four million dollars, three million dollar houses instead of a million dollar building here, two million dollar building here, a million dollar building here. It'll show up on your credit as four million dollars of debt. But because it's an income property, that million dollar debt, that's the 30 year mortgage. It is actually showing up as a two thousand dollar a month income because of the leases outright mortgage. And then the other, you know, two point five million dollar unit is showing up as eight thousand dollars of income instead of two point five million debt. So the more you accumulate, you go back to the bank and your income is stronger every time you close. And you gotta come up with down payments and do it again. But then you know it's it's different ways of doing it. I wouldn't even call myself the expert. You know what I mean? I don't own 500 units. You know, 500 pieces of property. But, you know, as far as me being a hip hop artist and being transparent, where I'm doing with my surplus, where I'm doing with my investment, that's what I believe in. And I'm leaning toward real estate, you know? Because um, I've, I've even been told that you might get a unit that our building has 50 units. Instead of going to get 10 buildings, I got five units, or five buildings, and 10 units. The plumbing go bad on one of your buildings, you know, you still got four other buildings. And you got you to go in this one building. So with this potential that throughout the year, five plumbers going to go bad, five roofs going to go bad, five, you know, this maintenance issues where you got this one building that got 500 units. It's only one set of plumbing for the same amount of the same amount of rent. It's only one group. You know what I mean? So it's just different ways of going out and put it. And income producing real real estate, you can't go wrong. Yeah. I know we were like we were reading Forbes article and talking a lot about some of the things that you're doing with your business partner. Um, how did you become so comfortable, you know, with co-investing with someone in something as big as real estate? Um, I think that you just gotta, you gotta read people, you know, you gotta vet people, you know what I mean? In business, you gotta trust them, but you gotta verify, you know, before you just put your money in anything. And you know, it's not hard to, to be back on checks on people, you know, find people references and just check what's real. You go off your spirit, you'll gut to it, you know, but um, I'm not loose with my investments or my partners at all, you know. But just in the situation today, you know, the demonstration matched up to what the conversation was. You know, and you know, everything through a bank, everything through a contract, everything is authorized. And so we done we done things on top of the line. I mean, you know, like backdoor business, everything is efficient. And so far so good. Everything you know, what it said is going. Just with any I've been doing business for a long time, man. You know, you never know. You're going to shake your hand, look at that high, say you're going to agree to your terms. And then time will tell you the rest. 
and some people more honorable than others, and some people more reliable and consistent with their word than others. But you know, that's the nature of the world we live in. So you just develop, you know, a, a filter for, for BS. And I think I'm pretty good at that. Even when you build your filters, this is a good question too, because you know, me and April are basically, we are called we have the power filters, which is the umbrella. Is guns and it's, it's shootings that take place, you know, in my music, you'll hear about that, right? But that's not the way I would express it as like a cool little widget at the top of my way or something. So just things like that I got turned off with not being involved in the creative side of it. But just the, the market really. And um, later on I found out that like that's how that's just the structure of the, of the, of the industry with labels. But you know, I made a marketing plan called Proper Pay and ended up, you know, being like historical, selling a $100 CD and, you know, making an impact just on the, on the marketing level like that. And so it's like, damn, you know, anybody that labeled that would have came in one of them ideas like me, you get promoted on them as a marketer or just somebody in a, in, a, in, a, in a situation environment like that for an idea like that. So. The fact that I wasn't allowed in marketing meetings and I had ideas like that, it just, to me, I'm like, you know, oh, y'all misjudge me. That's like a, a perception of a rapper or a street dude. Like, I, I don't have valuable opinion outside of entertainment, outside of tap dancing, singing, rapping, whatever. And I, I, I was offended by that. I took offense to that. And then, from another point of view, you know, it's not only you saying. And I believe you can't, you don't know what's up with a person based on how they look. You can't judge and have no assumptions, but, you know, people will throw you off on purpose. People will dress down on purpose. People will just, you know, control your perception of how they present themselves. So you don't, you know, you don't know what's the real truth of a person to you tap in and, you know what I mean, engage. So I carry that also. Like, if I'm walking in a business environment, and I might have an unorthodox look on for this environment. It's not on me, it's in me. And I don't wanna, I don't wanna deal with you if you can't understand it and you can't, you know, accept or, you know, absorb what I have to offer through conversations, through what I should put on the table when we sit down. I'm probably gonna wanna even be in no business with you. Man. But I'm lucky, I'm a rapper, so I get a little bit of, you know what I mean? They give me a different, they give me a different wiggle room because of what you expect from a rapper. Do you so, feel like that's new, you know, what rappers having that wiggle room? Because I know I feel like a lot of people still associate, you know, a lot of rappers with street lifestyle and like the lifestyle they used to live. But I feel like people, gatekeepers like Jay-Z and like Diddy have, I was, I was saying Jay-Z, I was going to say Diddy, but have reshaped that perspective and it's, it's becoming more prevalent because of social media and it's something that's newer for a rap, you know, to be more accepted or rap artists that had a dream lifestyle being accepted. Um, I think it's about the person, you know what I mean? Because I don't think that selling crack is accepted. I don't think gang rap is accepted. I think that reality that life is accepted. You got to respect what's true and what's real. And so, when a person don't shy away from their past and be honest about where they come from, that's different than, you know, glorifying or caring or being stuck. And I think 
این حالت از ساحرم بزرگ که اینا خجیب تو داره این که این
the city's website. If y'all go on there and look, you can see the areas. And you know, if you want more information, definitely reach out to me. Um, but I want to ask you. I know you're focused on you know what you have going on in LA right now. Are you interested in investing in other areas? Um, I believe I saw on the article that you guys are looking for some major cities to do some other things. Yes. So with Vector 90, which is Dave Gross and myself, um, the co-working space that we came up with in LA. We want to scale that, we want to take that all across America. Um, and we got partners in certain other, other markets, Baltimore, you know, the DMV area, um, a, few other, a few other markets that we, we build relationships with people. Because you see how I'm like an influential celebrity artist, whatever you call me. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm connected to the Vector in LA. That's the model for the rest of the other city. We want to connect with an influencer. And then days, obviously, the real estate developer, we deal with the banks in that market, the construction companies in that market, and, you know, scattered across America. So, to answer the question, is there any unique features to you guys' core spaces? Is this like something, a music studio, you know, something? What's unique about it is the bottom level is going to be um, a STEM center. So, you know, it'll be a, it'll be a um, science, technology, engineering, and math center. And then, you know, it's like this programming that goes on at the co-working space. So it'll be a night where a trademark lawyer come through. Or it'll be a night where it's a networking night for women. All the women entrepreneurs come in and, you know what I mean, lock in. And then it'll be a night when it's just, you know, uh, like a lock of doors. They invite all local entrepreneurs to pull up and it's just a networking event. So it's, it's programming that goes on consistently throughout the month. Um, I think that's what set it aside from like WeWorks or one of those situations. Yeah, you know what I mean? Um, and then there's also like an incubator element to it. So any of the entrepreneurs that developed products and ideas, they can pitch it to myself today. And every year we invest in, in you know, multiple entrepreneurs. You know what I mean? Last year we put, um, I think it was $50,000 toward, you know, three or four different entrepreneurs that was back in the 90s. Participants, yeah. You know? And it's growing though. Like we just opened it last year. We had a, we had a dope first couple of months. You know what I mean? We opened it in February, so it's almost a year now. Um, but you know, the idea is still unfolding. You know what I mean? And once we get it all where we wanted in LA, I think the next uh, stop is going to be um, the DMV area. Switching the vibe a little bit as we get ready to end with some questions. What are some things that you like to collect? Um, do you have any hobbies when it comes to collections? Um, you know your passion for Mr. GQ now, but you think outside of that? Um, I mean, I like jewelry. You know what I mean? I like watches. I like, um, all right. I like classic cars, you know what I mean? Uh, I think, obviously, everybody talking about art and how good an investment art is. You know, I like it more to look at than just like as an investment. Um, but nah, not nothing crazy. I ain't a crazy collector. Yeah. Books for real. If anything, I got a, I got a crazy book collection. <laughs> I have one last. You got a question for us? 
What book are you read right now? What's up with the Dr. Sebi documentary? For real? They gonna throw me out soon? Man, we gonna, we gonna work on that. He asked about the Dr. Sebi documentary. We working on it. It's not, I'm not gonna say it's coming out One thing too about that, I'm not making a like a campaign to turn people vegan. I ain't vegan. You know what I'm saying? I just I, I, I read the story, and the story was interesting. The story was powerful, and it was how he was deported and was accused of false advertising because he said he claimed all these, he cured all these uncurable diseases, and he went to court to prove that he did. And we don't know about that. Nobody's talking about that. So I just think that. Court trial, that story is a great story that should be told, you know what I mean? So I've been seeing the Protect Bed campaign on IG and all that. Like, you know, I look at it like it's an interesting story, you know what I mean? Storytelling is music, movies, that's what that is, it's storytelling. Yeah. Your favorite book? Oh man, um, the Marathon book is coming soon. <laughs> What book you reading right now? Who's by the door? Yeah, that's the door. Someone asked what book are you reading right now? Man, I was reading, you know what I was reading for real this morning? I was reading this like, uh, like the history of the brand Chanel. You know? I don't know why I was reading that. I just, I don't know what I was reading about that. Okay, I got a question. Yeah. You said you, uh, you collect watches and jewelry. Um, would you give any advice to any young people that like to buy jewelry and stuff like that? What would be a better investment as far as that goes? Because I see you got a lot of gold, and I understand that gold kind of has a tendency to retain its value as opposed to other things. Do you have any advice on that? On like what the best jewelry is about? Yeah, as far as you make sure you don't get real gold. That's the thing. Jewelry on the stock market. You know, so like gold going down every day, diamonds, all that shit on the stock market. So. When you get ripped off with the label, when you be lazy and you don't, you don't do your due diligence and then somebody charges you something crazy, something that's way less, and they take the difference of that price the label, charge you for not knowing. So that's how I say this, you know, if you're gonna buy a jewelry, you can become a jewelry expert if you don't spend some money on it. But it do help out, you show your jewelry, God forbid you don't do a hard time, you already got your jewelry, you can make a move on it. Right now, right now, it's a day today, you know? Yeah. I know you said, uh, what would it be, Black History Month? I know you said, uh, uh, real estate can last you for the next 50 plus years, and with you being a rap artist, uh, what would be more important to you, uh, for the next 50 years? Um, would you rather be known as a real estate man, a businessman, or for more known for your music? Uh, that was a good question. I mean, if I'm being honest, what I would rather be known for, um, I think music because it's more personal. You know what I mean? So you will know me better through my music than you will know how many buildings I own or like my strategy and what I did business-wise. I don't think music is more important than business. I don't think that one of the others is more important. I think that I would rather be known for my art, my expression, than my business. Appreciate it, bro. Yeah. Yo, you know, what's some ways I can elevate my music career? Like, become a bigger artist? Um, just make better music. Just keep working. <laughs> right. 
I just say, man, now, but just keep getting better. Keep better, keep better. Yeah. I got some merch for you, fam. Right here. Yeah. We're going to bring it in here. In the beginning of your career, what was one of your weaknesses that later turned into a strength? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, she said, she said, at the beginning of my investment career, what was a weakness that has turned into a strength? Um, I don't know if I can think of one off the top of my head. I don't know if I can tell you a lot of my weaknesses. I don't know how many turn the strengths. But I think like I have no resources. I have enough resources. That's the that's the number one thing you do at the beginning. So everything critical. You make an investment, that shit gotta work. They gotta turn around. Um making progress, becoming successful, they don't be such critical moves. You can you can afford to kind of like try something. And you let the bank on the book, you know what I mean? You can, you can kind of learn without breaking the seat. Yeah. We're going to do one more. Thank you. Let's do it for that. Hey, hello. Speak up.
and that the larger companies are the companies that they use to rebuild, to use construction. My, my question would be, I do residential right now. How do I get into commercial and not be overbid or underbid by the bigger companies being a smaller black owner? Man, that's a, that's a good question too. I, I don't know the details of that, but I, what I do know is that certain developers right. have a mandate to hire right. a minority construction, right? So you are a double minority. Exactly. Because you are a black person and a little woman. Yeah. So by you being in that business, you know, you can take full advantage of them, them developers by just being aware. Even if you got, I don't know how realistic it is to move a construction company. But, you know, to, to really just be up on the developments, because I'm from L.A., I know the developments in L.A. right now, it's like 30% almost got to be minority. Right. They have to meet a certain, a certain amount, but it is hard when you go into it and you try to get into get into the process of bidding. Yeah. You're, you're really fighting against the larger companies right. to not be underbid where you can make at least some good profit. Because the big company going to say we're going to charge the least amount. Yes, exactly. And they're going to push all the money out the operations out the way. Right. Yeah, that's, I don't know how to really, I don't know. You know, okay. you got to fight hard. You know, you got to fight hard. You got to fight hard. Well, we appreciate you being in. Thank you for coming. Thank you all.